0: Wow, it's Easter Sunday, friends. It's Resurrection Sunday, and that's how you sing. That's it. Um, It's all about victory. It is all about victory. And I want to make sure we understand this. We're not talking about a baseball game victory. We're not talking about a football game victory. We're not talking about a financial victory. We're not talking about some kind of ideology victory victory. Uh, We are talking an eternal, big God-conquering sin, kick-it-out victory, okay? That's what we're talking about. Hey, God, we just want to come before you as we already are here as a church, as a faith family, and just uh, lift your name high. The reality is you overcame, and you overcame big time. I mean, you conquered it all, and that's why we're here today. You're the victor. You are awesome. You are worthy of our praise. And today, we remember the victory over sin that's made available. You are awesome. In the name of the victor, we pray. Amen. Hey, grab your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 24. got some people coming around with Bibles. Uh, If you don't have one with you, welcome to borrow one. If you don't own a Bible, keep one. We're big about the Bible around here. We're a church that doesn't just like kind of uh, say, hey, there's some verses in the Bible somewhere or the kind of church that says, hey, let's read a verse and then close your Bible and let's just start talking about what I want to talk about because you don't want to hear what I want to talk about. You want to hear what God's word has to talk about. And so that's what uh, we're talking about today. Um, So Luke chapter 24. Well, last Sunday we uh, did a walk to the cross and by the way first service um, in my exuberance I love what we talked about last week and in my exuberance of it I actually got some of the timeline mixed up I don't know if you noticed but uh, in it uh, just a recap real quick uh, on earlier in the week Passover week Christ enters the triumphal entry, a bunch of things take place during the week, and then all of a sudden, uh, on Friday, at noon, Christ is nailed to the cross. Mark chapter 15 tells us that. Also, what takes place at noon in the temple is the beginning of the sacrifice of some 200,000 plus one-year-old unblemished lambs. Now, what a dink is that? Isn't that awesome? I mean, at the moment that Christ, the lamb, is nailed to the cross is the moment in time where the temple begins a sacrifice of all the Passover lambs that take place. And those sacrifices take place from noon until 3 o'clock. And at 3 o'clock is when Christ gave up his last breath. The final lamb, the lamb, gave up his life. What an incredible, incredible picture. And as we talked about, but the story doesn't end there. The story continues on from there. A lot of times with people, death takes place and kind of, if you will, the story is over. The story can be remembered, uh, but not with Christ. Actually, the story continues on. And that's what we're going to get after here in Luke chapter 24 so let's go to luke 24 let's start reading and in fact let's get a running start into it and let's start out in luke chapter 23 let's just cover even more of the bible okay here we go luke chapter 23 verse 50 now there was a man named joseph from the jewish town of arimathea he was a member of the council a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action in other words Uh, Joseph of Arimathea was part of the Sanhedrin. He did not agree, as well as with Nicodemus, he did not agree to the crucifixion of Christ. And he was looking for the kingdom of God, verse 52. The man went to Pilate, asked for the body of Jesus, and then he took it down, and he wrapped it in a linen shroud, laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. And then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. And on the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. So the gospel account, tells us that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, as we saw in John, take the body of Christ down. They take him to a, a wrap and bury him in a new grave site now understand a lot of times we kind of get this idea that these folks back then were like you know just a bunch of total hicks you know from the west virginia mountains or something that like have no understanding of how to do things right But it's really important to understand that them taking Christ off of the cross and putting him in a tomb had a whole procedure to it as well as followed. Uh, Not only were the women there who were seeing it, not only were Joseph of Arimathea and John uh, or Nicodemus there when they were seeing it, but also there were Roman guards who were part of it because part of the law was to carry it all the way through to the placement in the tomb. And as well in that, we see in other passages of scriptures that some of the leadership of Israel and possibly very likely some of the chief priests also saw all this taking place. There was a whole system for how this was done. Jesus is placed in a never-been-used brand-new tomb The leadership go along, and also the leadership after this then go and talk to Pilate, the governor of the area, and they ask him to be able to put a Roman seal over the tomb because as they say in one of the other gospel accounts, they tell Pilate, listen, he said he was going to rise after three days. They wanted to make sure that either that that idea wasn't going to be able to be played with or that it wasn't actually going to be able to happen. And so what they did is Pilate agreed to that. So they all go to the site and this kind of becomes like a policed scene, if you will. I mean, this is like a CSI scene, okay? And again, part of the reason is we think they just grabbed grabbed him and reverently kind of put him in a tomb, closed a rock and like one or two people saw this. But what took place was at this point in time, what was, what was required, what was the process is they would go, they would then come back, they would ask for the stone to be rolled back. They rolled the stone back, they would go inside, they would check out everything. They literally would check the body to make sure it's Jesus and to make sure he's dead. Then they would come back, roll the stone back. They would then put a Roman seal on it. What they would do is most likely was like a rope or a ribbon that they would kind of put across the stone. And on each side, they would seal it. So if the stone was rolled away, then everyone would know what happened. And then outside of it, now a lot of times you see in some of these images, they put like one guy, like a Barney Fife, dressed in a Roman outfit. And here's Barney outside. And it's kind of the idea, but that's not the case of what happened. There were four Roman soldiers. I'm just telling you, these boys were studs if you were to be in that kind of position. And what they would do is every three hours, they would rotate. Why? Because they didn't want them to fall asleep. And so every three hours, these four Roman soldiers were rotated in. This was a government-protected, authenticated, CSI'd site. And guarded by four Roman soldiers. And anybody who wanted to come in was taken out. And by the way, if anyone got in, any and all of the Roman soldiers would be killed. They had skin in the game. Okay? That's the sight that we see. Luke 24. Now, there was a man named Joseph. Oh, I'm in 23. Let's go 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. The women did. And they found the stone, rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of Jesus. And while they were perplexed, uh, this word perplexed, it has the idea of they're in a quandary. It carries this idea of they're befuddled. In other words, this isn't supposed to happen. This is really important as we follow through this chapter. They're befuddled. What in the world's going on here? I didn't expect for the tomb to be open. I didn't expect for the body to be gone. And while they saw that, were perplexed, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. By the way, the word for dazzling here is overused in Luke chapter 17. And the word in the Greek has this idea. It's, just, it's not like, you know, that's dazzling like 70s disco outfit, dazzling. Okay, not that kind of dazzling. It's more like this. It's actually in 17, Luke 17, it's used referring to lightning. It's like, bam, bolts of lightning bright. Okay, this is lightning bright clothing that these guys are wearing. These are angels. And verse 5, And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, uh, uh, isn't that interesting? Down, face down on the ground before these angels, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you. By the way, I think I'm going to be pointing out out of this whole chapter. This is all about thinking people. Easter is all about thinking people. Watch this. They tell him, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. And they remembered the words. You've been in places like that where it's like you've been told some things and it just like gets lost and lost land in your head. And then someone brings it, and it's like, whoa, forgot about that. Bam, lightning bulb moment. And returning to the tomb, they told all these things to the 11, uh, the 11 apostles and to all the rest. There were other followers there. Now, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the, the mother of James, and the other women. By the way, way to go, women. I mean that. Way to go. Uh, with them who told them these things to the apostles. So they come back, they tell the apostles all this. And like guys, (laughs) I won't go there. Verse 41, but these words seemed to be an idle tale and they did not believe them. I actually really appreciate this. You know, sometimes we can sit back and go, these guys are such buffoons. When are they going to get it? And yet the reality of it is, is these guys are thinking men. These women are thinking women. They come to the tomb and they're perplexed. Wait a second. This isn't supposed to happen. What's the deal with this? This doesn't fit what I thought would take place. They come to the guys and they tell them the story and they're like, (laughs) don't dupe us girls. Don't dupe us because we're not, we don't want to be duped. They're thinking men. I mean, if you came and told me, hey, this guy who died rose again, I would kind of be like, don't dupe me. Don't dupe me. Let's keep going. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. In other words, Peter, there's something in him that's just kind of driving his thinking. But Peter rose, ran to the tomb, stooping, and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Marveling, stunned, trying to process this. What in the world? Peter's a thinking man. And Peter's have a hard time bringing all the data together into something that makes sense. Love that. Way to go, Peter. I love thinking people. Verse 13, that very day, two of them, Uh, Not the apostles, not any of the women, but some of the others who were uh, there. We'll see that in a little bit. The two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. How far? Seven Seven miles. And as they were talking with each other about these things that had happened, you get the idea they're having this cognitive, intelligent discussion on the road. Like, what? How? But what about? But... uh, and while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. That is so cool. God sometimes could be so fun. I mean, did he like, just like jump out of a bush behind and start walking? I, the way I'm wired, at what mile marker did he start coming in along the way? Was this towards the end? Was this towards the beginning? How did this happen? Ah, this is cool stuff. God just has a blast. Verse 16. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Isn't that interesting? And he said to them, but what is the conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? Question mark. I've noted this before here at Harvest that how many times when you look at Christ talking with people, he starts with a question. Questions draw out the heart. And so here he knows exactly what's happened because like he's everything that's happened. And yet so in it, here he is asking them the question. Hey guys, what's going on in your head? Talk to me. Lay it out on the table. Let's interact intelligently with thought. And they stood still looking sad. And then one of them named Cleopas answered him. Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? We talked last week about how at the time of Passover, the city of Jerusalem would increase to a population of somewhere around two plus million people. Now, if everybody knows what's going on, that just gives you an idea of all the abuzz that's been taking place over this last week in Jerusalem. Everybody knows about this. Again, we oftentimes get this image that there's this little Jesus thing that's kind of happening over here with like 40 people cheering for him as he comes in on the triumphal entry. And then he's in the city and kind of hidden away. And, you know, a few people know what's taking place. That's not the case at all. That's why I think there's probably over 100,000 people as Christ is coming in proclaiming Hosanna. And then he gets in the city and day after day, all these discussions, I mean, he is rocking the city's boat. Everybody knows what's happened. And by the way, he was crucified publicly. Everybody heard this, everybody knew. Nothing hidden, nothing hidden. Verse 19, and he said to them, uh, question number two, what things? I love this. Hey, I want for you to know, God is the kind of God who wants to engage your mind. If you have skeptic thoughts, fantastic. Bring them. Bring them out. Because God wants to draw your thoughts. Let's put them on the table. Let's see what they are and let's go after them. Love this. What things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the man who is a pro- prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. You get a sense of loss of hope within this? We had hoped that would be the case, but it looks like it isn't in essence. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happen. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. Uh, They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe. Hey, I want to pause right here for a moment, because as you read that, you can almost get the idea that Jesus is like really ticked off and how it's the inflection. The inflection was not like, oh, you fools. This is just ridiculous. The fact of the matter is he's in essence referring, as we're going to see here in just a second, all the data's on the table. And he's kind of calling them to hear, listen, listen, guys, hear me. Because frankly, there's some thought going on that, that's foolish and you're slow of heart to believe. If you're in that place where you're like, I, I just don't quite know where I'm at with this. Again, watch how Jesus responds. He doesn't like smack him upside the head. He doesn't chew him out. What does he do? Let's look. Love this. And he started going back to what in essence is the Old Testament at the time and going through the Old Testament, like prophet by prophet by prophet. Hey, guys, you're slow to believe right now. I understand that. There are times it's frustrating. But listen, I want to take you through and show you exactly what's happened. And for, I don't know, miles, I'm guessing, He begins just to walk them through the scriptures. Understand, God, the second person of the Trinity, incarnate in the flesh, now risen from the dead, where does He take them? He takes them back to the scriptures. This just shows the authority and the power of God's Word. It's not just a book. Even Christ himself worked out of what was said in this to help these guys get it. Guys, let, let, let me help you put the pieces of the puzzle together. I would love to do that. Let's talk. So they drew near to the village after this conversation to which they were going. And he acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us. For it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And he when he was at the table with them, he took the bread blessed it, broke it, gave it to them, and their eyes were opened. I don't know how all that happened. But there's a God thing going on, isn't there? I mean, you're walking along, you're talking to this guy. They, they've seen Christ before. There's just a God thing that turns someone's heart, turned the eyes of someone's heart to recognize him, and they recognized him, and then he vanished from their sight. Kawamo, Very cool. They said to each other, Oh my word, did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. The scriptures speak. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, seven miles back. And the 11 and those who, by the way, I bet they were walking faster back than they were going out. And they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon, to Peter. How sweet. Denied him three times. Doesn't want to be taken as a dupe and told an idle tale. He's the one we're told, goes to check out the crime scene, if you will. And already during all this, Jesus has shown himself to Peter. Verse 35, and then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Easter has a tendency to be viewed and talked about and portrayed as a fairy tale or very fairy tale-like. But as we look at this passage here so far, We could look at this and go, oftentimes as as it seems to be portrayed is that, you know, these are just people that were really overzealous and and they kind of got the story wrong. Or else they manipulated the story because uh, they didn't want to, in essence, admit to being duped themselves or they actually had kind of a a sick heart and they wanted to dupe other people into kind of starting a cult or something. We don't see that here. In fact, what we see is thinking people being confronted with a risen Savior facts. In verse 4, the women were perplexed. That's thinking women. In verse 11, the disciples seemed it to be an idle tale. Those are thinking disciples. In verse 12, Peter goes to verify it at the tomb. That's a thinking man. In verse 27, Jesus explained it from the scriptures to the two on the road. That's thinking, that's engaging my thoughts in what took place. Verse 32, the two said, did not our hearts burn? By the way, the heart thing, you know, we kind of go, oh, emotions when we talk about heart. They're talking about up here. Their brain just burned. It's like, are you kidding me? I have never been to a class like that before. That just turned my world upside down. Thinking men, and then they the two tell what happened. I just, these are thinking, thinking people, engaged, confronted with the risen Savior. Verse thirty six. As they were talking about these things, Jesus Himself stood among them. <laughs> poof, and said to them, peace to you. And they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? You see, I think all this right now, they're trying to put all the pieces together. All the pieces of data, of information that's come in the past, They are now thinking about these things. They're confronted face-to-face with the risen Christ. And all of the data of the pieces from the past are now up on the table for them and they're thinking about it. Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands, see my feet. It is I myself, touch me, see. I don't have any problem with you asking questions. I don't have any problem with you wondering. Just see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they'd still disbelieved, for joy and were marveling—interesting statement, the way how that goes—and were marveling, he said to them, "Have you anything to eat?" Well, there's a guy. But really, this is important. Uh, see the context of what's just been happening here. Hey, listen. He says, "I'm not a spirit. I'm not Casper the Ghost. I'm telling you, I'm alive." And then he sits down and he eats. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it before them. I'll bet that was a silent moment of eating. And they're all just like, I'm serious. He's sticking it in his mouth. He's actually chewing it. He's actually swallowing it. What conclusion can you come to? He's alive. Physically. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Again, the risen savior goes right back to scripture as his base. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Straight up. I just don't know at all what happens with that there. But we just know what it says. And all of a sudden, their minds are opened up to grasping all that's happening. And he said to them, thus it is written. Do you notice again? Christ keeps going back to the scriptures. That is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. By the way, Harvest, we're gonna be starting next Sunday going through the first 12 chapters of Acts because we're gonna see these guys who still to this point are just like just beginning to get what's happening. We're gonna watch what's what God does with God's people. It's cool stuff. It's glorious stuff. And then he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands. He blessed them while he blessed them. He parted from them, was carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continuously in the temple blessing God. Hey, with all the Easter bunnies and the eggs and everything, you know, we still, we still send our kids Easter baskets. But the risen Savior is not a fairy tale. Easter is for thinking people and for people that think hard about what's happened. In fact, I would just add to all this, consider this just consider our world i mean look outside romans chapter 1 says you look around and it's like how can you not walk away and say there is not there is not a god how can you do that listen there is a god just look around romans chapter 1 says i would just add look at the body look at creation had a conversation with our uh, our daughter-in-law's dad he's a physician very successful physician and in hearing his story he told about one of the key things that began moving him towards seeing there has to be a creator Is the eyeball He said he got to the eyeball And he could not explain How that mechanism Could just come unto itself And God used the eyeball As a key part In helping a man Come to search For the creator and the savior How cool is that Just look around Consider your life Is life just happening on some random purpose? I mean, are we born and then we live and then we die and it's just done? Seriously. Is it just about stuff? Is it just about my hotness? Your hotness, whatever. (laughs) Is that what it's all about? I just say consider our world, consider your life, consider the Bible. There is no other truth source like it. All other truth sources that claim to be a truth source are sourced from one person at one point in time. That's the case with the Quran. That's the case with the Mormon Bible. That's the case with everyone. You come to the Bible and it's over 1,500 years of time, 40 authors writing what's human authors, writing what's down. Listen, I'm telling you, it all comes together. Add on top of the fact, just even, you know, the the manuscript reality of it. Homer's Iliad is claimed to be like the the most, if you will, secured manuscript ancient book ever uh, outside of the Bible. Uh, Homer's Iliad had about 650 ancient manuscripts tied to it. That's pretty awesome compared to everything else out there. The Bible, 25,000 manuscripts tied to it, A, a 40 to 1 ratio. It's amazing i just say, consider the Bible, consider the world, consider your life. And I would say, consider Jesus Christ. I mean, the miracles, who can do that? Turning water to wine, healing people, raising people from the dead and rising from the dead himself. And then the claims, he claimed to be God. You either are or you aren't. And if you aren't, but you claim to be, you're either a lunatic or a liar. I don't want to follow that. Don't dupe me. And then the statistics. Just do the math. The odds of one person fulfilling 48 of the Old Testament prophecies, 10 to the 157th power. That's the number 10 with 157 zeros beyond it. I can't even comprehend it, so let me help with this. There, that is about the equivalent of the number of, of electrons in the known universe. 10 to the 157th power. Mark one electron, throw it out there, and on your first chance, go out, and on your first chance, pick it, and that happens to be the one that you pick, the marked one? Are you kidding me? Would we all not agree that's impossible? Uh, That's 10 to the 157th power. Oh, and by the way, that's to fulfill 48 prophecies from the Old Testament, and there are actually 324. I'm just telling you, folks, it's amazing. Just look at Christ. Mark chapter 15, last week, the Roman centurion at the foot of the cross looks up and he said, Surely he was the Son of God, the equivalent one of God. He was God. And lastly, I would just suggest as we're going to start studying here in a bit, that you would watch the apostles. These are average men that rock the world, and they died. what they said and they saw who does that I love Easter because Easter resurrection Sunday engages the thinking and it brings reality to bear here's what I want for us to do I want for us to watch this video of Clyde and Kim if you were here last Sunday you saw the first part of this and if you weren't here last Sunday you'll, you'll still catch up with it I want for us to watch the story of Clyde and Kim. Clyde and Kim are a couple who live up in the Chicago area and uh, attend one of the harvests up in Chicago. And I want for you to hear this, to be able to see the victory that is confirmed by the truth of Jesus Christ. What we're talking about is not a fairy tale. What we're talking about is reality that's lived out. Let's watch the story of Clyde and Kim.
1: Two weeks after Clyde uh, welcomed Christ back into his life, he was diagnosed with lung cancer. And it's a pretty um, severe type of cancer they can't operate. And um, he, uh, I see that as God's merciful
2: I'm not crying for the cancer. (laughs) I'm crying for how great I feel with God back in my life. Yeah. (laughs)
1: I mean, you would never know, he had brain surgery. How many days ago was that? And then it comes out of it singing, if I only had a brain. So. <laughs> so.
2: The surgeon thought it was funny.
1: Yeah.
2: It's so easy to witness, you know, when you're supposed to be the guy that's down, and you're going, I'm not down, I'm gonna be with God at the worst. They can't operate on this. And the uh,
1: radiation? Radiation. No more radiation or cure. Radiation out.
2: won't do any good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they don't have a way out of this one.
1: So, God's bringing you home, isn't He? Yeah. Yeah. We decided to celebrate Christmas early this year just start celebrating the holidays.
2: I always love Christmas, so we got the tree up early so I can enjoy it again this year. Yeah.
1: And tomorrow's Thursday, so we're having Thanksgiving tomorrow. And uh, our small group is providing our meal for us. Uh, They're bringing everything, the trimmings, the sweet potatoes, the pies, the mashed potatoes, and we're so blessed.
2: I came down the steps the other morning for breakfast and told Kim, I'm having a good time. I said, here I am. I found out I've got two, two weeks to live. I'm having fun. I said, I didn't think it was supposed to be like this. Like I said, this is the best two months of my life best two months of my marriage. Nobody could ask for a more peaceful way to go away. God
1: has really blessed us. He has. I think when you lose your life partner though, it's, uh, that's going to be an adjustment. But you know what I keep hearing from the Lord is, come to me. And that's, I've been meditating on that a lot and what that really means, come to me. And, um, he, I just keep hearing him tell me that over and over again. And so rather than reaching for another person to fill that void, I'm going to be more dependent on the Lord than I've ever been. And um, he's, I'm, not, I'm not afraid, but...
2: You have nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> I know. You know, I've been here 18 years with this wonderful woman and this view and everything else. I mean, who could ask for more than God's given me? I can't imagine. What a life.
1: it's still difficult because, you know, it's always hard to lose someone you love. But um, it wasn't, the sadness was for me because I'm gonna miss him so much. But there is also great joy. I even thought about the angels that were probably present to escort him home. And uh, there's great joy in that. I I know he's so happy. I know he is. When Clyde uh, came back to the Lord, he was a new man, and the change in his life with Christ far outweighed the cancer. Even as his body was breaking down and just coming to nothing, the presence of the Lord was so great, it overshadowed that, and that's where his energy was. It was in Christ, and it was, you couldn't help but have a joy around him. You weren't focused on the cancer, you were focused on this changed life. and. Uh, And that's what he wanted, too. He wanted people to see that he was a new creation in Christ. More people said, that's the most beautiful funeral I've ever been to. You don't expect comments like that about a funeral. And I just thought to myself, these people haven't been to very many Christian funerals. I've read about how the things I can expect when you lose a loved one, and I haven't experienced the anger and and some of the other emotions I'm told I'm supposed to be experiencing. And I was talking with God about that, actually, this morning, like, how is that supposed to look? Uh, We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. God really comforted me with that. It's like, I don't have to grieve as the rest of the world grieves, because I have a hope. That's a promise we have. We're going to be together. We're going to be together again. It's not, oh, I hope I see him when I get to heaven. I will see him when I get to heaven. I know I will. And I don't have to mourn like the rest of the world does. Because I have a peace and I have that hope found.
0: Hope. The victory of the resurrected Savior is all about the victory of hope, returned and made available. Do you know about the victory? Or do you know the victory? I mean, do you own it? The scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. My objective today was to take us back to the resurrection story and to engage and see the victory and see in the reality of the victory how thinking people are changed forever because of it. Lord God, I thank you so much for the time together. The story of the resurrection is about a story of total victory. Clyde came to know the story of victory in his life and embracing the cross and embracing you. And his story is a living story. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of acknowledging his sinful condition and receiving the gift of redemption. And yet we don't see just a guy who got the golden ticket. We see the story of a man who got the life reality of it. Everything changes. A new creation made. Awesome. And Lord, we see the reality of the victory story for Kim as well. A living hope, even in the hurt. Everything's different because of it. Everything is different because of the resurrection of Christ. And God, I pray, as thinking people, we would think hard about it, about what it has to do with our life. And about what we're going to do about it for those who know Christ as their Savior. What are we going to do with it now? Rock our world. God, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that is unsure where they're at, that they would think hard and deep about the victory made available. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. Oh God, I pray if there's not been a time in someone's life here yet where they have driven the stake in the ground, where they have committed, where they have received the gift, that today would be the day that they would talk with someone who brought with them, that they would come after the service, talk with one of us about what that is. Oh God, don't let the victory fall between their fingers. And Lord, so we respond. It's fitting for us to to stand here and respond in song and and to stand strong on the victory of Christ. And so we sing. In fact, let's just stand, would you please? And let's sing about how the overcoming of the darkness, about the saved, about made alive, about death defeated, about victory made available. All because of the name of the Savior that has conquered death and sin.